on this episode of In The Rack Podcast. Inflammatory processes is a protective mechanism. We need it. So do we want to mitigate that? Um, not, not significantly. Could we curb it a little bit? Maybe. But do we want to stop it? No, we do not. So in that context, yeah, ice is is not the best. What's the, what you got? Welcome to In The Rack Podcast, where we provide you with a practical framework for breaking PRs in all facets of health and wellness. We are just a couple of bros giving you the simple hows in a world of complex wants. No filters, no scripts, no rules, just straight talk. Talk to them. Now, let's get into the rack with your hosts, Dr. Chad and Dr. Nick. All right, everyone, welcome to episode nine of In The Rack Podcast. I am your host, Chad, and with me is my co-host and fellow physical therapist, Nick. Today, we're going to continue on with those PT misconceptions. It wasn't the last episode, but the episode before that, I believe, we did talk a little bit about arthritis and tendonitis and all that kind of debunked a little bit of the stuff going on there. And now we're going to talk about that great old debate of ice. Is ice good? Is it bad? That's the big question mark. Um, Seems like we are still pretty mixed on the question of whether or not we should be icing after our injuries. Um, So we're here to kind of bust that today and, and see if we can kind of put some closure on this. And, you know, let's, let's talk about, you know, the, the facts that, can allow you to decide how you feel about the ice and the role it plays in our healing. Um, I mean, I've been practicing for 10 to 12 years and I've seen this change so many times. Uh, but now I feel like I'm on the, uh, the right side of the, of the, uh, ball. <laughs> um, so Nick, is it good advice that we, um, ice following an injury? So I wish I could give just a yes or no answer here. Um, it is, probably not as good as we once thought and we'll get more into that but basically we've we've probably overdone it a little bit with ice so are there situations that don't need ice yeah we probably don't need to ice immediately after an injury like we think we do um are there other situations where you could ice and it's it's going to provide you some benefit yeah later on and then there's other situations where it's really not going to provide anything. It just might make you think you're, you're, you're helping. But anyway, the, the whole ice thing we, we mentioned a couple, uh, episodes ago where with the rice method, uh, Gabe Merkin developed that a couple decades ago. And that was not the first time in history that we had seen <clears throat> ice be used for injuries and inflammation and things like that. There there's periods of time throughout history where they, they have evidence that it was used for things. And you know, maybe that has to do with the fact that when something is swollen, a joint or, or a part of the body is swollen, it doesn't look good. It, it just, it looks like, whoa, we need to fix that, right? But what we're going to talk about a little bit today is that inflammation is actually really important to not only healing, but recovering your body from from s- certain things that it undergoes throughout, you know, days, weeks, months. And an inflammatory process is, is a protective mechanism. We need it. So do we want to mitigate that? Um, not not significantly. Could we curb it a little bit? Maybe. But do we want to stop it? No, we do not. So in that context, yeah, ice is is not the best. But there are other things that we'll talk about that ice can be super helpful for. Um, one of which is is reducing pain um, and, and discomfort that 
comes along with an injury or pain. So there's plenty of research to show us that that ice can decrease pain. It just numbs the area. That's essentially what it does. And because of the way we've been conditioned to think that ice is helpful, there's usually very high compliance rates with ice. So it's easy for a practitioner to say, oh, yeah, just throw some ice on this because people will do it. And yeah, it can help with the pain. But if it's a situation where now it's it's helping with the pain, but it's also decreasing the inflammatory process, we're actually going to delay healing. And Gabe Merkin actually came out and said, ooh, my method that I developed a couple decades ago was not right because it actually delays healing. So when the person who develops the method says, I was wrong because we're actually causing more harm than good, we should probably listen to him. So in that situation, acute injuries, injuries that just happened recently, we probably don't want to be using ice. Um, we'll talk about more chronic situations later on. But overall, the ice for the the injury that happened today, yesterday, a couple of days ago, postoperatively, those types of things, probably not the best. Yeah. And just to kind of go back on the whole rice thing, because I know that that's a pretty popular acronym, but even if we did take out the rest and the ice, because in a previous podcast, we did talk about the importance of movement, you know, as another acronym. And, and I think that's still important. Um, we're, we're left with CE, which is compression and elevation. And I mean, I think those are both still important concepts to, and, and, and treatment practices. But I'm also going to add that there's no evidence that ice and compression didn't improve healing over just the use of compression alone. So that goes to show you that there really is no additional benefit of adding the ice with reducing inflammation, if that's your goal. <clears throat> now, do we recommend the compression and eleva elevation of acute injuries after sustaining a load, a moderate injury? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's. I would say that it's still important that we should apply a little bit of elevation. If you want to use the compression, I think it's, it's helpful, but I, you know, the research is now showing that the ice is probably not the best bet, you know, in terms of that. In the clinic, we do use forms of compression. And we will say that we, we've done a lots of something that's called flossing. So flossing is the use of a band that we actually wrap around a limb, whether it's an ankle or an elbow or, or whatever. Um, and we're basically using that compression to um, improve uh, certain movement patterns. So we're actually improving mobility with the use of movement patterns with the compression because not only does it give that sense of stability but it also kind of i guess it probably has an analgesic effect as well so that's the importance that we use the compression in the clinic as well as with movement so again ice not probably the best solution following an injury there are definitely other things you can be doing for sure and it really, it, like I said before, it comes down to the, the inflammatory process. So the ice is going to slow that inflammatory process down. And when we do that, we slow down the protective response. What the inflammation is doing essentially, just to you know simplify it, it's sending healing factors and other good things inside the body to the area. So those things can now get rid of the bad stuff that was caused by the, um, you know, the injury. So if you get injured, you have, um, say you have damaged tissue, we need to get that stuff out. So that's what the body does with the inflammatory process is sends all this good stuff, the healing factors to get rid of the bad stuff, right? And that's in a simplified way, just inflammation. And if you put ice on something, it's going to slow down the mobilization of those, those healing factors and not let them get into the area as quickly as they could. So now we've just delayed the healing process. Um, one of those factors is what's called insulin-like growth factor. And 
that has been shown to be decreased substantially in, in studies when we ice after a, an injury. And when we have less of that insulinic growth factor, the, the rebuilding process of the cells and the tissues cannot occur. So you, there's actually, I think, one study that was done. It was done on mice, but they somehow they did, did the study. So they removed all of the insulinic growth factor from one, one group of mice. And they actually didn't heal at all from the injury that they, they had. So without any insulin-like growth factor, can't heal. If we decrease it to the area, it's not going to heal. So we're just delaying that process. So think about something postoperatively. We want healing to happen right away. As soon as whatever's done um, in, in the OR is done, we need to initiate that healing process right away. And if we're told we leave and we're told to ice, you know, 15, 20, 30, whatever it is, and then off for 15, 20, 30 minutes, we're just in this constant battle of the body trying to get this stuff in, then it can't, then it tries to get the stuff in, then it can't, right? So we're fighting ourselves. So in those situations, probably best to use some gentle movement, you know, maybe a little light compression to curb any excessive inflammation, because excessive inflammation probably isn't ideal, because now you start to press on nerves, other blood vessels, that kind of stuff. So not the best, but what really... I think needs to happen is we need to look at this whole ice and inflammation issue on both a macro and a micro level. So normally we just look at, say you sprain your ankle, you look at the ankle and you see, oh my gosh, that's that's a balloon. We got to fix that. That doesn't look good, right? So you're just thinking of that on the macro level. But don't forget what's happening on the micro level inside in the cells, right? That's swelling up like a balloon because we're getting all that good stuff into the area to help with the healing, right? So we have to let that occur at least to some extent, we can't just try to mitigate it altogether. We need to, um, you know, work with it, keep that joint moving so we can help flush some of that fluid out. And if it looks excessive, okay, then let's try maybe a little compression first, maybe some elevation so we can curb that. But ice isn't the first thing to turn to because it's really just going to constrict those blood vessels and keep that stuff from getting in there. Yeah. And like Nick said, I mean, just to kind of recap on the IGF-1, um, that's vital for injured parts to heal, whether it's muscle tissue, whether it's tendons, whether it's, you know, fractures. Uh, we all need to, re- to release this IGF-1 in order to create this healing process in the body. Now, going a step further, for all of you people out there that, you know, are familiar with what IGF-1 is, you're like, oh, well, that's what, you know, people use to make gains in the gym, right? Like that's what we're looking for at the end of our workout. That's exactly right. So as you know, most bodybuilders know the gains come after the workout or anybody in general, it's just an athlete. Um, so why is this so important in, in our recovery process? Well, it's important because if you're applying ice, let's, let's say you have a shoulder that's sore and you just worked out and you start throwing ice all over your body per, mainly the shoulder. Now, all of a sudden you're reducing the release of this IGF-1, which means that now you're not going to get this great, you know, repair of this damaged muscle tissue that you just spent so hard damaging to get these gains. So you're actually kind of wasting your time, you know, in terms of that respect. Uh, Now to go a step further, anything that's going to reduce your immune response, i.e. inflammation, is also going to delay the muscle healing. Now, this could be cortisone, um, NSAIDs like ibuprofen, Aleve, whatever you're taking, as well as arthritis medication, Celebrex, whatever, whatever's in your, your kitchen cabinet. So make sure that if you are going to take that, 
don't take it before or after your workout. This includes the ice as well, because now all you're doing is affecting the release of that IGF-1, which means that you know, you're not going to get the most benefit out of the, the workout that you had. Yeah. And it realistically, when that stuff happens, we, I don't know, I feel like we are so deterred from feeling any kind of discomfort that we just turn to that stuff right away. So we always have to, you know, be our, be our own investigator there and see, is this hurting because I just did some hard work with it? The tissue's just turning over. There was some, some micro damage and now the, the body is sending, you know, a small inflammatory process to the area to now build that back up. Right. We need to kind of take a step back and see, okay, is this just something that's not going to last very long? It's just, a, you know, a couple, couple minutes, a couple hours, whatever the case is, I can get through this. Um, as opposed to as soon as you feel the onset of discomfort, just reaching in that medicine cabinet for the medicine or, or the freezer for the ice. Right. So we need, yeah. Or even preventatively. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So people that are like, oh man, I'm going to take this ibuprofen right now because I know yeah, my back's exactly. going to bother me today's deadlift day or whatever. Yeah, it's, you know? it's so true. And, and that's, some of it's a cultural thing, right? Like we need to fight that that preconception, that preconceived notion that, oh man, this is hurting. I need to do this because this is what I've been taught or this is how I've always done it, right? So it's it's actually could be hurting you using something like ice after an incident like that or even like Chad was saying, some of those medications where we're just physical therapists. We're not saying don't take these medications. We're just right. saying, Think about the time you're using it, right? So think about everything as a whole, the big picture, not just, oh, this hurts, I need to take this, or this is swollen, I need to take this, okay? So basically, if you look at a summary of all the evidence, uh, there's really not much research to support that ice will help heal your injury, um, contrary to what we may have been taught or the, the way we tend to think about injuries. It's actually going to hurt it. It's going to slow it down. That vasoconstriction that I mentioned, that constricting of the blood vessels has actually been shown to last not only hours after the use of ice. In some people, it can actually last up to a day or two. So if you use ice, say for 20, 30 minutes after an injury or even a workout, um, it can actually impact the the healing or the, the gains, the growth from that um, up to a 24 to 48 hours afterwards. That's We don't want that. That's no good. So, and, and that's not to say that if you use ice, it's going to, you know, your injury is going to linger that much longer. No, it just has the potential to. So we don't want to do anything that's going to impede the progress, right? We just, we want the, the body to do what the body wants to do. The other thing that you mentioned um, about the gains. So ices are also been shown to impair strength, speed, coordination, and uh, cardiovascular endurance in the short term. Um, that is again, variety of differences among people, but that basically speaks to, okay, let's probably not use ice around either a sporting event training session. If you use ice, say after a game practice, anything like that, if you're an athlete to, you know, say that's just your norm, that's your ritual, so to speak. If you do that for sore joints, something like that, probably not the best is it going to impede you that that much probably not but maybe rethink about when you're using the ice maybe if you're sore say in the morning because you're you're in the heat of your season maybe use the ice in the morning practices in the afternoon you have plenty of time for the body to to you know decrease that pain in the morning decrease that soreness you can get moving get the blood flowing all that good stuff right after practice probably not the optimal time if you do it and you've always done it 
keep doing it. You're, you're okay. You're not going to destroy anything. You're not going to hinder anything. But rethink, maybe just take a step back and think, why am I doing this? What's my goal here? And if my goal is to you know, decrease pain, okay, it does do that. But if your goal is something else, if you think it's helping you with healing, just take a step back, rethink that process, rethink why you're doing it, rethink what your goals are. And maybe that's not the best time for you to use it. And at the towards the end of this this episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about cold exposure. So like cold tubs, cryotherapy, that kind of stuff. But we'll save that for the end. We'll, we'll get into a few other things. We want to talk too about chronic injuries because we've been mentioning mostly uh, uh, acute injuries. So injuries that just occurred recently, whether it was today, yesterday, a couple of days ago, postoperatively, that kind of stuff. So more with chronic injuries, say you've been dealing with pain for an extended period of time. That is a situation that now the ice becomes, you know, it, it's it's more reasonable because now your chronic pain likely isn't associated with any kind of tissue damage. So we're not curbing that. And, and in a lot of these chronic injuries where we think there's inflammation, a lot of times there's actually not. There might be cellular changes going on, but they're not necessarily indicative of inflammation. So you're not curbing that issue. And there needs to be more research on this, just like anything else. But if you're using ice for more chronic pain, it's more okay, I would say, because now you are using it to curb the discomfort and the pain more so than delaying the healing. So that is a situation where, yeah, it's more okay. If, if you've been doing that and it works really well for you, go for it. If you have chronic pain and you've never tried ice before, do you need it? No, not at all. It's not going to be you know the thing that helps you over the hump necessarily. But if you've been doing it, don't worry. Don't stress out about it. It's okay. It's not curbing the the inflammation nearly as much as it would if you were to have an acute injury, you know, earlier today. Yeah. So, and, and I, I, I want people to understand that there's a difference between reducing inflammation and analgesic effect or that decrease in pain that you're feeling with the use of ice. Just because you're feeling less pain doesn't actually mean the inflammation's going down. It just means that you're um, creating the stimulus on the surface. Right. So, I mean, I want people to understand that. Yeah, like if you yeah, exactly. are done with playing, you know, a sport and you jump in a, uh, an ice cold bath, I mean, your odds are your, your whole body's in just so much of a stimulus right now because you're just uh, applying this cold exposure. We're going to be talking about soon, but that's not necessarily decreasing the inflammation. It's just this body going through this, you know, stimulus of, of cold. And now you're just getting this like full body analgesic effect, you know? Um, so I just want people to understand that, that there is a difference for sure. So what, what's like, uh, the main recommendation. So people listen to this, right? So you're like, all right, now what do I do? Right. What's, what's, what's your recommendation here in terms of applying ice? So I would say that if you have an injury that just occurred, or let's just call them the everyday injuries, you sprain an ankle, you, you stub a toe or something like that. These everyday injuries that just occurred recently, you could probably go without ice and it's probably for the better based on, on the research we've seen and based on um, even our, our experiences working with people dealing with injuries, pain, and stuff like that. So the ice will just delay your healing from that injury that has just occurred. So it's probably best to go without the ice, leave it in the freezer for these types of instances, unless you were to have a significant injury that is so, the inflammation is so severe, and these would be situations like, you know, fractures or, or uh, car accidents, bone force traumas, those types of things. And those are typically situations where you're going to end up under someone's medical supervision anyway in a hospital or, you know, s some kind of a setting like that. 
So those are situations where, yeah, we might need to curb the inflammation because it is so severe. But the vast majority of instances, you're probably good to go without ice. And then just like we mentioned before with chronic injuries, it's your preference, right? If you want to use ice because it feels good, it feels better afterward, cool, go for it. Just be mindful that if there is any swelling or inflammation there, you might be limiting or impairing your healing capacity to some extent. Right. And so the question that we kind of started off with, is ice bad? And the answer is no, with everything that we just talked about. <laughs> so go back to the old podcast and listen to it yeah. again. Yeah. Uh, no, we just want to be clear that everything that we were referring to was regarding that localized ice to treat injuries. Now, there is a lot of science to back up the use of cryotherapy. It's very real, and it has been shown to be beneficial at improving our immune system. What is that called? It's called cold exposure. All right, we just talked about this earlier. Um, actually, in our last episode, we did talk about our Wim Hof experience that we had last year, which was cool. And we talked about our experience with that and you know how we felt afterwards and so forth. So let's let's keep in mind that that these tools should be used either hours before or after activity, whether it's a workout or training or whatever you're doing, because this this affects the muscle healing. Now, let's address cold exposure because we don't want people to think that they can avoid ice altogether because they're missing out on all the other benefits. So what, what are the uh, benefits of cold exposure, Nick? All right. So cold exposure is awesome. I say that I'm biased because I implement it in my life. I take cold showers at least twice a week, sometimes more all year round. So obviously right now it's the summer. It's, it's a little bit easier to embrace a cold shower, but I do it in the winter. Um, I actually, this past winter did it for 45 days straight just to see how it would go through February, March. And it was tough, but you get a ton of benefits from it. And the best way I can describe cold exposure is just as you would, you know, lift weights or strength train to increase your musculoskeletal capacity. You would run, cycle, swim, do something like that to increase your cardiovascular capacity. Cold exposure is like training your biology. So you train your muscles through lifting weights. You train your your heart through through running for extended periods of time or cycling. You train your biology, your, your immune system, all that kind of stuff, your nervous system through exposing it to cold. You can also do the same with, with heat exposure like saunas. But cold is really, really cool because... You can do it at home, turn your shower as cold as it'll go, and embrace it, okay? And with cold exposure, like Chad mentioned, you're getting that increased immune response. You're getting an increased efficiency in the way your central nervous system functions. And the central nervous system drives all other functions, right? So it, it, it drives all these other systems, the digestive system. So you get an increase in response in pretty much all these systems. But in terms of the research, we've we've seen like I said, increased immune response. So, so decreased likelihood of getting sick from cold viruses, things like that, which is huge right now, right? We're still in this pandemic. Um, so increased immune response, you get an increased burning of, of fat actually when you, you do cold exposure again, because it makes those systems, those energy systems a little bit more efficient. So basically what's happening when you go into the cold is you are trying to calm yourself down in that cold environment. So when you go and you get a cold stimulus, it's very sympathetic. So it's your fight or flight system, your fight or flight nervous system. What you try to do is you try to calm your body down, get yourself to a point where your your breathing is more under control. And that triggers on that parasympathetic. So that rest or digest system. And your body is constantly fluctuating in and out of these systems throughout the day based on 
what what's stimulating the body, right? So if you're going about your day, no minimal stresses, that kind of stuff, you're a little bit more on that parasympathetic side. Parasympathetic side. But if you're going through and you got all this high stress, you're probably a little bit more more sympathetic, right? More of that fight or flight. And you know, it's never fully necessarily one system or the other. It's it's this this uh, gentle balance between the two, really. But in today's world, we are probably all sympathetically overdriven because of technology, lights, noises, all that kind of stuff. So our body is in this state of on, it's on guard a little bit. So if we can do something like exposing ourselves to cold, it's a very natural way to stimulate parasympathetic activity and parasympathetic control so we can have that better balance of the two nervous systems. So that's in essence what exposing yourself to cold does. And like Chad had mentioned before, do it hours before or after your weightlifting, your running, your those types of things. Because the the colds, like a cold tub, has been shown to, you know, limit the gains made from a strength training session. You know, it's been shown to to limit, like I said before, strength, power, all that kind of stuff. So it can impact it. But if you look at it as a separate training session, because now I'm training my biology, later on I'll be training my musculoskeletal system. We don't want to train all these things at once, right? We want to train them separately so we can focus, put our focus towards them. That's kind of what we're doing with cold exposure. And that's why we wanted to bring this up because people may hear us talk about ice and be like, oh, cool, I don't have to do this cold tub like like so-and-so said, or I don't. All these people are out here talking about jumping in the ocean in the winter. I don't need to do that. That's stupid. They're being stupid. Not really because they're doing it for a different purpose, right? It's all, it all depends what the goals are and why we're doing something. Yeah. And, and the benefits of cold exposure are, I mean, they're great. And I, I will say Nick's a little bit more on the aggressive side with this than I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have been introducing more cold showers into my day. Am I going to jump in a cold ocean? Hell no. I, I'm all <laughs> set with that. I did my time, uh, but it is, I did feel like a million dollars afterwards and it's not something that I would do every day, but I do believe that it is something that you should do frequently. Um, and if you're going to try a cold shower, I always have a few recommendations for people. Um, don't try to get into the cold water. Your body just won't let you get in the shower and turn it on cold. That's if you're going all out and just saying, I'm going to do this whole thing cold. Um, if you really want to start with this, take your normal shower you know, do, do however you do it, hot, warm, however you like to shower, and then gradually shift it to cold towards the end and increase the amount of time you can do that. While you're doing that, try to calm the breathing down. Try to breathe in and out of your nose, so all nasal breathing, and see if you can just get that breathing to slow down, calm down, so you're in control. Don't let the, you know, the, the, the temperature of the water be in control there. You be in control. If you do go full-on cold, like I do, get in and turn it on on yourself. It's much easier than stepping into it. Um, and then if you are still struggling with that, try a big exhale as the water is about to hit you. So big inhale through your nose and a big exhale as the water is about to hit you when it's cold. It won't be quite as cold on the exhale because an exhale will stimulate your parasympathetic nervous system. Then you will shift into sympathetic once the cold hits you, but you'll be in a better place. Yeah, that's it. exactly right. Um, <laughs> so, so that's a good try. And then the ocean, I mean, especially where we live um, here, where we are in this area, you know, right on the coast, you have access to the water pretty much all year round. Um, some people can walk, some people got to drive. That's okay. But the the water, the, the ocean is a great way to expose yourself to cold. It's still pretty cold right now. It really doesn't get too, too warm up here. But if you go in the, the winter months or even in the, the, the spring, 
Uh, the spring's a good time because the water's freezing, but the air's not as bad. So that's a good way to try it too. Same thing. If you go in, try to control your breathing before you get out. Don't just go into panic mode and then be panicked when you get out. You'll be shivering for a while. Yeah. And I think the the key there is the breathing for sure. The breathing does make a huge difference. And for all of you that aren't familiar with Wim Hof, you should check it out because that'll kind of cue you into the importance of the breathing. That was, I, I had uh, felt that firsthand and it's it's pretty remarkable. It's wild. Okay. So let's let's kind of conclude this. So Let's kind of sum everything up here and just say that if you're using ice post-injury, I would say that you should probably stop (laughs) (laughs) unless it's severe uh, inflammation where it's like restricting blood flow to your limbs, causing compression to your nerves, that that sort of thing like Nick talked about earlier. Um, If it's just a, you know, regular ankle sprain or whatever it may be, that's not severe, then I would say movement is probably your best key there. If you're using ice water to stimulate the nervous system and the immune system, I say it's all good, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you can decide how aggressive you want to get with that. <laughs> absolutely. I do warm water and I slowly <laughs> make it to cold. That's what I do. But either way, I think that's a that's a great benefit for you. To piggyback off that too, when, when Chad said there, the best thing you can do there is move. That's exactly it. So if you have an injury and it's, you know, there's no fractures, you know, there's no, nothing like that, no, nothing severe. Gentle movement is going to help mobilize those healing factors. So that's going to, you know, help flush out the, the cellular debris and get things healing a little bit quicker. The other two things you can really do that will help the healing process are gonna be breathe through your nose, right? So in and out of your nose, because if you, next time you get hurt, pay attention to how you're breathing, you're probably breathing in and out of your mouth. And that is going to drive up sympathetic activity. The other thing that breathing through your nose does is it increases nitric oxide, which will dilate your blood vessels. So now you're going to get more of those healing factors in faster. And then the other thing to do, don't panic, all right? Because when you panic, stress is going to increase your sympathetic, and that's your fight or flight. You're not going to heal as well there. You want to stay calm. As long as you know nothing significant or severe is happening, stay as calm as possible. That'll increase your parasympathetic activity, which will then allow you to heal a little bit quicker as well. Yep. Perfect. All right. So what do we got going on for next episode, Nick? Ooh, we got our next stories episode. Story time. Story time again. We had a great response on the last story time. So we're going to hit it again. We got some good stories coming up. We're going to do a couple each, you know, so it's not too long. We're trying to keep this a little bit on the shorter side, but we, uh, we really love the fact that you guys can find yourself in a similar situation as some of these stories. So if you guys feel that you're in the same situation as some of these people that we're talking about, then you should give it a good listen. It'll be a good one for you. So, uh, what's the moral of the story? Moral of the story. So should I ice fall on injury for all of you that have kids or are into Disney? Take it from Elsa from frozen. Perfect, right? And let it go. In other words, do you want to build a snowman? Thank you for joining us in the rack this week. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. You can also find us online at ProformPTMA.com or on social media at ProformPTMA. And remember, if you train inside the rack, you better be thinking outside the rack.